spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. And welcome to the 102nd Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody, and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. We are finally back. Uh, I guess we can kind of spill the beans on why we were missing. Um, I have moved locations, so my audio might actually sound a little different, hopefully for the better but uh, no motorcycles, no, no motorcycles, <laughs> no um, adult man running across this the upstairs, uh, no cats. Well, there's a cat, but it's it's in a different room now. And the other thing is, so it is currently Tuesday, right? And I spent, yes. let's see here, Thursday, Friday, Saturday moving. And man, even today, I just feel like someone ran me over with a fucking semi just exhausted still yeah i saw a meme actually the other day that reminded me kind of of you guys and it said after you turn 35 just go ahead and get some movers just hire the movers you don't want to have a slip disc it's not worth it or your friends getting a slip disc it's probably you're probably right you know what was my favorite part about the move so apparently uh u-haul i don't know what is going on over there but it's like, okay, you can reserve this 24 hours a day whenever you want to pick it up. So I'm like, okay, I want to get it at 8 a.m. And then I tried to get it at 8 a.m. It's like, oh, actually, you have to wait till the business opens. And I'm like, why did you say it was 24 hours? Okay, whatever. That's besides the fact. So I waited. I showed up at the guy's shop. And of course, there's just like Trump dollar bills everywhere. Proud contributor to the Trump campaign, and it's just it's like all over this guy's office. I'm like, yikes! Oh man, just just go in there, just big smile on your face, feel real friendly, grab the keys, and get the fuck out. Yeah, pretty much what I did. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a fine, it was a smooth transaction. Now, Phil, why were you, why were you missing? Why don't you tell everybody why you're missing? What you were up to? Well, I was actually the best man in my brother's wedding. And wedding, you know, I mean, no wedding ever goes off without a hitch, but this one went pretty well. It was a, a great, you know, really nice day out, short ceremony. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I, you know, fulfilled my duties of best man. I gave a really good speech and then I got shit hammered drunk the entire night. So that was fun. My, uh, oh, actually my cousin showed up from Iowa and Ooh. I met him and I was like, I gave him a, I gave him a big handshake and he's like, oh, just bring it in. Give me a hug. I'm like, all right, what? Well, I'm not a hugger, but you know, it's like, all right, whatever. I gave him a bro hug and he's like, it's cool. We've all had our vaccines. Right. And then he starts laughing and I was like, yeah, no, not really. And <laughs> he, he looked around cause ever, no one was wearing a mask. Not a single person was wearing out of all the 85 people that were there. And <laughs> he's like, oh, and I was like, yeah. Arizona's a little different when it comes to that stuff, but don't worry about it. You're probably fine. 
He's like, oh, I've had both of my shots. And I was like, that's good. You know, I'm safe at least. Yeah, he's good to go. Yeah, I I, I, th- I think they did. I thought I heard on the news they found out that I think if you're vaccinated, you can no longer transmit it. So uh, I think that's what I heard. But uh, yeah, even in Minnesota, I've noticed a lot of people just kind of no mask in it or they're supposed yep. to be. And, uh, you know, I, I've ran into a couple, uh, I'll call them badasses who are like trying to flex mm. on people in a gas station, which is really an odd place to do that. But, uh, but yeah, there's that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say me and my brother were actually talking about this today at work and kind of how it seems like the not wearing a mask is starting in like the smaller communities and then the more and more dense the communities get. So say like just outside of Phoenix, you're seeing not a lot of people wearing masks in gas stations or grocery stores anymore. And it's starting to filter like into the suburbs now. And eventually it'll probably get into like the city center of Phoenix. So that'll I, take months though to get I, that far. Well, I think the Johnson & Johnson single dose is out. So you, you can knock out a lot of people <laughs> with that. You know what I mean? Like really yeah. quickly. But, but yeah, I, I heard that know. one's not as effective, but whatever. Uh, Who cares? I'm not going to get it anyway. It's the, fine. The, okay. From what I've heard, this has been a while. I haven't been paying attention, but it was like... It's only like 65% bought. It will keep you out of the hospital. So that I think that's like the main thing. You know what I mean? Like where you don't have to be on a ventilator. It'll it'll prevent that much of it, I guess, or something. I don't yeah. know. They should just maybe yeah, stick to thing, baby oil. One of the things that we're going to talk about in the episode today actually kind of goes along with that. But there's a big push now for the, the vaccine passports. I've been hearing on the on the internet and the news lately so ah interesting well i mean the yep. obviously i have both mine and yeah the the nurse the little card thing she's like oh you probably better mm. hold on to this in case something like that happens so i'm like oh okay just sitting in my wallet <laughs> but yeah it's uh it, it's an interesting time i think i don't know i'm i'm optimistic that that by uh you know, maybe summertime will be kind of over this. I think by August, we'll pretty much be past the worst of the storm. And then by 2022, hopefully it's just, it's one of those deals where everyone kind of says like, you'll find a mask in like an old coat or something. And you'll just laugh at the thought of like when you had to wear that. <laughs> you mean Hopefully by 2022, it'll be like that. Oh, you mean like fucking every tragedy in humanity ever where people forget about it like, one week after it happens, most definitely. Yep. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. You don't, you know what I hope though, honestly. And all jokes aside, like I hope when flu season comes around, people who have it have the flu. You know, actually wear a mask and not in the future and not just like come into work and like sneeze over everybody. You ever think yeah. about? You ever think back to that now? Yeah, some of the people I work with were actually talking about. During flu season, actually wearing a mask. Uh, me and a couple of guys we were working, I was working with today, we're actually talking about like when you wear a mask into the bathroom, it doesn't, you know, it's like smell is bad, and you feel like you're not getting shit particles in your system. Yeah. So. On honestly, though, like I just always think back to that because when I work kind of in the factory setting, there'd be sick people just sneezing boogers everywhere just not a fuck given and then it's like the whole shop gets it eventually it's like maybe you can just cut the head off of that by just that sick person 
wearing a mask uh, while they're still contagious, I guess. But uh, that's, uh, that's, I guess, we'll have to see what happens in the future. I mean, that probably won't happen because uh, America, but uh, yep. <laughs> we can yeah, I was just thinking that. Nope. <laughs> it's not like, it's not going to be like Asia. There's not just going to be people wearing masks walking around. It's, Ooh, it's America. One it's not going to happen. One more thing before we jump ahead here. I heard today they have now moved Trump's return date for August. So they're giving him a little more leeway to ah. uh, to come back and claim presidency. Yeah, QAnon's starting to turn into <laughs> fucking Millerites here. Keep on pushing that back. Like, no, no, it's still in the cards. It's just pushing it back. We're just pushing it back. You know, I did hear that Mike Pence is making a return to the political Ooh, stage. Okay. I feel kind of bad for him. I mean, I don't really agree with his politics, but... He really did. I mean, he he brought a lot of professionalism to that office during a time when there was not a lot of professionalism in the like the whole fucking White House. Right. So you got to give it to him. He fucking stuck with it. But right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's he's maybe what we would call a little bit too religious for uh, my taste. But uh, to each oh, yeah, their own, too. I guess. But- Anyway, yeah. Phil, uh, speaking of that, let's uh, let's go ahead and dive in the episode. The whole reason everybody's here. All right. Large meetings of powerful individuals have fueled conspiracy theories for decades with the secretive nature inherent to the wealthy and elite, hungering for the knowledge of what exactly occurs during the minutes of open discussion, and more importantly, the deal struck in smoke-filled rooms over expensive liquor and cigars. I mean, let's think of this in a littler fashion here. If you are at work and you see your boss and supervisors in a little room where you can't hear what they're talking about, you're probably assuming they're talking shit about you. Oh, yeah. Well, you're you know that it probably doesn't affect you, but you also kind of just want to hear in and listen just in case you might, you know, be able to use that information in the future, maybe. So I can. Yeah, definitely see that. You always want to be a fly on the wall. I think there's a lot of scenarios where I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Oh, yeah. So today. We will be discussing a couple of these organizations formed for different purposes originally, but with time have come to represent in the conspiracy world as a whole, the same drive towards a common goal, a supposed meeting to determine the agenda of global business, a conference between powerful leaders and their proxies to direct the outcome of conflict, and most importantly, a huddle for the shadow governments to game plan the alleged final goal global domination, and the almighty one world government. So this is like a Amazon, what do they call those, shareholder meeting? Oh, I have no idea. I've never heard of this one, but I imagine it's (laughs) up to no good. A reptilian soiree. Ooh, there you go. What do they call like the very top of the corporation? Like there's a group of like 12 people who basically- The board? Yeah, like the board- like, they don't care about anything but, like, making the most money possible. And usually they're yes. kind of like the ones who really rot companies from the core. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're they're the ones kind of, like, just leeching off of, the, off of all of the workers' hard work. They're the ones just leeching in the profits. And they decide, oh, profits are down a little. Let's just cut 20,000 people's jobs. <laughs> just one swipe right off the head. Head what? right off the neck. You can't. You'd be sick to ask them to give up one of their third homes. Come on. 
Oh, third homes. One of their third yachts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll starve him to death, man. It's just like that basketball player. I got a fucking kids to feed, man. He got like a $60 million contract. Spreewell. What the hell is his name? Spreewell. Littrell. Yeah. Littrell. Spreewell. I got yeah. fucking kids to feed, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. 60 mil. I think you can feed your kids. With all of these boxers coming back into the ring, I'm surprised Holyfield isn't making his glorious return <laughs> with his... He he has an entire football team full of kids to support. So maybe he's waiting till they're all over eighteen before he tries to make any money again. I don't know. <laughs> Probably smart. <laughs> In nineteen fifty four, a little known though deeply impactful first meeting of its kind took place at a most luxurious hotel in Oosterbeek at the behest of Polish politician Josef Rettinger and or. Prince Bernard of Lip Basterfeldy from hmm. the Netherlands. I totally screwed that up. I'm, I apologize to I people from know, there. I don't know if I'd like to have that as my title. Like, that's yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's kind of, I, it probably means something in Dutch. But, mm. And that depends on, like, what internet article you read. Most of them I, I saw named Prince Bernard as the person who actually set it up. And it was set up in his home country, so I kind of lean more towards that way. But I did find a couple for our pal Yosef. Mm. So I, I added him in at the last minute okay. just to kind of flatten it out in case. Okay. Hedge my bets. They actually called, supposedly, the first meeting and named the location, which would host leading men of the Western world to discuss the issues of the day. Meetings such as this have occurred every year since that first organized assembly, with the exception, of course, of 2020. So you're saying from 1954 up until present day, they've always met? Yes. Yep. They've <clears throat> met in either Europe or a North American city. Are there a European city or a North American city? Wow. Okay. That's, a, that's yep. some dedication right there. Definitely. They did not meet in 2020, and that was because of COVID. I imagine at the 2019 meeting, they probably discussed how they were going to implement COVID, but, you know. <laughs> we'll just put maybe Bill later. We'll just put Bill as the front man, <laughs> Mr. Bill yep. Gates. Yeah. Who's going to take the fall for this one? Uh, how about that internet geek? We'll put him <laughs> out there. He, he's, he needs some shine. <laughs> That first organized assembly occurred in the hotel for which this meeting would take its name, the Hotel de Bilderberg in Oosterbeck, Netherlands. Now, Prince Bernard would also be the chairman of the steering committee for the first 22 years of the group's existence. Steering committee? I'm assuming that means the direction of the meeting? Yes, kind of. It's... Uh, it's that, and I'm going to mention it in about 10 seconds. Okay, so, all right. Uh, so these annual meetings host between 120 and 150 top leaders, and they are chosen by that steering committee from the ranks of the political, commercial, and financial elite from around the world, including people from all really walks of main industry, media, bankers, industry, basically all of the important people you can think of who might get an invite to this meeting. So the steering committee actually is the one who picks these 120 to 150 top people. And now it's men and women. It used to just be men. Mm, okay. The steering committee also chooses the topics to be discussed at that gathering. Now, the list of attendees and topics to be discussed 
are released the day prior to the meeting. Uh, this meeting usually happens either in May or June. Over the past decade, it has been in early June. The locations actually do change every year. And like I said before, they are held in cities in either Europe or North America. So, okay. So for our invite, we're pro- we still got to wait a few months because they're clearly going to yeah. invite us, right? I mean, we're media. Oh yeah, definitely that uh, <laughs> that top tier podcast situation. Um, so, so so okay. Here's one question: If they don't release the names till the day prior, how do you get there fast enough? Oh no, the people who are going to be attending this meeting, they already know well in advance. Oh, okay. But the the list isn't publicly sent out to the media until the day prior. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the selection of people to be attending this meeting is about two-thirds European people and about one-third people from North America. So it's kind of skewed a little bit more European, which actually kind of surprised me because I figured because of United States' relative dominance over the past few decades, there'd be more people from the United States. But it's actually not quite as much as you would think if you run down the list. Hmm. Okay. It's it's much more United Kingdom, France, Belgium, Germany, those countries. Yeah, honestly, that does surprise me a bit, too. The 2019 Bilderberg Conference, which was the most recent one to have taken place, occurred in the city of Montreux, Switzerland. And this occurred from the 30th of May 2019 to the 2nd of June 2019, uh, with 130 men and women on the list. Kind of like when you look really down that list of participants, there are only a few that kind of jumped off the pages at me. Some of those names, I'm really just doing from the United States because a lot of the people from around the world, I didn't really recognize. You were, Yeah, I was going to say, we probably, I mean, some of our listeners from overseas might know them, but uh, we probably wouldn't recognize them. Yeah, there were, there were a couple of MPs from United Kingdom, but I had never heard of them. There was one guy from Scotland. Uh, he was kind of, I think he might be kind of important in the the Scottish, there's a, there's a Scottish party in parliament, and I think he might be important in there, but that was really it for kind of like, you know, people I had recognized. Hmm. So the okay. first one I'm going to mention is Stacey Abrams, former Georgia House representative and state house minority party leader the Democratic candidate for governor of Georgia in 2018 also. One of the big things she's done recently is she is the founder of the Fair Fight Action in 2018. She's also a voting rights activist and really credited with helping Biden win the state of Georgia in 2020. Yeah, well, 100%. She she definitely helped flip uh, Georgia and she 100% helped get them to senators elected this uh, during the runoffs and there's a documentary about her on amazon prime i have not watched it yet but uh i would say she's an all-around good uh good politician we need more politicians like her to be honest with you yeah she her star has really risen since 2018 she went from being relatively unknown before then to just kind of like a breakout uh during her run for governor in Georgia. And she probably actually might have won that election. But the guy who won was also the Secretary of State of Georgia in charge of the election. So, Ah, you know, gotcha. That old chestnut. (laughs) 
The next person, uh, a lot less known, uh, his name is Darren Walker. I have heard of him before, though. Hmm. He's the president of the Ford Foundation. He's also a fellow of the Institute for Urban Design and a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that group at the end of the podcast. He's also done a lot of other philanthropic posts that he serves on. He's the director of a lot of boards for well, charities. When when I first quickly glance over this, <laughs> now this might lead to uh, my belief that I have, uh, uh, what do they call that, dyslexia, because I thought I said Darren Waller. Now, you know who Darren Waller is, right? No, I don't know who Darren Waller is. <laughs> He's like the star tight end for the Oakland Raiders or the <laughs> sorry, Las Las Vegas Raiders now. And I'm like, why the fuck is that guy there? But now it would okay. be great if he was on that list. <laughs> well, it would because he was in 2018, he wasn't a star yet. He didn't become a star till last year. So mm. Okay. Okay, there you go. That's what I thought it said. But uh yeah, and uh, I guess Darren Walker who is work the president of the anti-Semitic Ford Foundation. So there's that. Are we talking about Ford yeah. cars? Yeah, it, it was. So it's a foundation that was set up by Henry Ford. Hmm. So it has mm-hmm. some roots in anti-Semitism yeah. just because of that. Yeah. But I doubt the Ford Foundation has any anti-Semitic leanings. I didn't Dang. quite look up Ford Foundation conspiracies, but <laughs> I think they're pretty clean now. So yeah. I think it's okay. Well, at least they hide it. Yeah. He seems like a pretty decent human being, so I don't know. I don't know what his, you know, his personal <laughs> life, but I looked him up. He seemed like a pretty decent dude. The next person on the list for 2019 was Henry Kissinger. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know who Henry Kissinger is. I don't need to go through his resume. He's just a politician, right? Well, he was – so he was – okay, I guess I do have to go through it. So he was Secretary of State during the Nixon era, and he basically – towards the end of the Vietnam War, like he was big. He was all over the Vietnam War. So he's kind of one of those. He's uh, like an uber political figure, really big. believe he is still alive. I, I'm not sure if I've heard that he died in the last year, but he's still a pretty big figure, even though mm. in his old age. You know what? Actually, I just so happened to watch Forrest Gump was on mm-hmm. AMC, and it, it just reminded me of him like Forrest is staying in the hotel uh, Nixon or Nixon's hotel, and he sees all the people digging the Watergate. Yeah. <laughs> I think they can't find the light switch down. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Henry Kissinger has a very distinct voice, though. If I played you some audio, you would know who I was talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And finally, the last member that I'm going to mention is Jared Kushner. Now, Jared Kushner is famous for being the son-in-law of Donald Trump. I would list his achievements. However, they are all the results of nepotism and not yeah. really worth mentioning. No. So. And uh, his dad was a real estate asshole. And now Jared is a real estate asshole. So there's that. Yes. And if you there's actually a movie about the college admission scandals on, I believe it's Amazon Prime. And they mentioned Jared Kushner by name in that because apparently of his his grades weren't good enough to get him into the college that he went to. But he ended up going there anyway. So it's kind of one of those like examples they use. Yeah, Jared's not a good guy. We're just going to throw that out there. Definitely. I don't know him personally, but I assume. I, just by looking at him, you kind of assume he's probably not, uh, not the nicest on, person. On Netflix, there is that show Dirty Money, I think it's called. There's a whole mm. episode about him. 
uh, go ahead and give that a watch. You'll <laughs> you'll see About what it Jared char- Kushner or his father. Uh Jared Kushner. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. I'll have to watch that well, one. I mean, it talks about his dad too, because his dad's in prison for getting caught with real estate scams, and Jared, I think, is pretty much doing the same thing. Okay, now I remember. I th- I believe I did see that episode. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. So that was a list of the 2019 people that I noticed. Like I kind of recognized who went to. But here are some other famous Americans and Brits that have attended like the past meetings. Okay. So just kind of like gonna fire these off. You've probably heard of most of them. Prince Charles. Uh, he's the Prince of Wales. Uh, he went in 1986. Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. He went in 1965 and 1967. Tony Blair, uh, he went in 1993. Uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. This was actually four years before he became prime minister. Some people you probably haven't heard of, Alec Douglas Holmey. He was prime minister of the UK, and he was also happened to be the future chairman of the Bilderberg Group Steering mm, Committee. Okay, so he, he's uh, pretty high up in the Bilderberg Group. Yeah, well, I, he's... I think he's dead now, but Mm. this was during the 70s when he was chairman of that. Gotcha. Someone you have heard of before, Margaret Thatcher. She first attended in 1975. Uh, She would also attend during her term as prime minister in the the 1980s. The main thing that like I really learned about her was uh, or that she came to my attention was because of her like extreme censorship. In the UK, and basically because of her, they had like outlawed horror movies, and they referred to them as video nasties, basically because of her. So it's okay, uh, yeah, it's because they kind of like outlawed them. They became like a underground market for the video nasties when she was uh, prime minister. So it's kind of a unique era in the horror film history, I guess. Oh, I I didn't know that, but I mm. do know that Margaret Thatcher was prime minister of the UK while Reagan was the president of the United States. And that was a really big conservative pushback. Oh, so who's yeah. the, who's the new one? It's Margaret something right before they had the newest dumb shit. Uh, the hell was his name? I can't even think of his, the British Trump. Oh, the British Trump guy. Um, shit, you put me on the spot. Nah, I don't remember okay. what his name is, but he has like he has the exact same like kind of con- hair consistency that Trump has. Yeah. It looks like straw on yeah. top of a yeah. he never <laughs> combs of, it. Uh, Scarecrow's head. Yeah, he never combs it, but the lady before him, I think, was kind of a a bit like Margaret Thatcher. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she actually got pushed out because of the Brexit failure. Yeah. yeah. And then he took over after Brexit was approved. And then he kind of had that oh fuck look on his face <laughs> when he first became prime minister. Yeah. 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 Someone you may have heard of. Uh, he was pretty famous when I was over there, at least. Obviously, David Cameron. Uh, he attended in 2013. He attended also while he was prime minister. 2013. Never heard of this guy. Yeah. David Cameron was the prime minister when I was living in England. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I think he's conservative party. He, I, from what I heard, he was doing a good job. That's what everyone, but I, the, the area that I was living in was pretty conservative. So gotcha. Here are, here are some Americans that you might recognize. Hillary Clinton. Ooh. Uh, she actually went while she was first lady. Uh, this happened in 1997. Yeah. I can see why. 
where the conspiracy starts sparking. Have you oh, heard yeah. the newest QAnon Evergreen conspiracy about that cargo ship? No, I have not. Oh, where she they they claim the Evergreen is a code word for Hillary, and that whole cargo ship is full of her abducted children that she eats really? for Adrenochrome or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a, a little bit adrenochrome much. factories yeah. and all the shipping containers. Yeah, it's a bit much. I I actually heard on the radio that that evergreen cargo ship hitting the banks was disrupting the global dildo trade because apparently there's a lot of those <laughs> a lot of those uh, containers are full of dildos supposedly. Hell yeah! And a lot of people aren't getting their 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 supply well, from Amazon. In, that so. is a real crisis. That is a w- real global crisis. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. I was I heard it on the way home from work on the radio and it, <laughs> it made me laugh. So another person uh, you may have heard of this guy. His name is William Clinton. Yeah, uh, he went in 1991. This was while he was governor of Arkansas. Okay, go Razorbacks. Definitely. David H. Petraeus, uh, he's a former general and director of the CIA. Uh, He was pretty big in his day. I do believe that there was some controversy that kind of led to his downfall, though. Yeah, with the uh, reporter, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure if he was the one, but yeah, it is him. He was the the scandal. Mm -hmm. Condoleezza Rice, she went in 2008. She was a pretty big figure Mm -hmm. in the past decade. John Edwards, that's the 2000-2010 decade. Okay. Uh, John Edwards, he went the in si- 2004. Now, this is the psychic, right? John Edwards. <laughs> no, not the psychic. Not the legendary TV psychic. No. No, this is the politician. Okay. Uh, All right. He actually got caught cheating on his wife while she had cancer. Allegedly. Oh, I believe it's him, but allegedly. God, John, that's worse yeah. than the psychic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you would have been better off being a TV psychic. <laughs> than than that yeah next up on the list is lindsey graham who went in 2016 he is obviously senator from the uh gr- good state of south carolina uh from the year 2003 to present the uh straightest man ever with nothing but male roommates yeah lindsey oh, yeah, graham definitely. right there uh <laughs> that was like the best joke ever on, on last podcast when he was like um <laughs> i heard that yeah what did he say he's like uh, a power bottom yeah he's a power, power bottom yeah yep. lindsey graham's the best power bottom since alistair crowley or something <laughs> i tried to fit the term power bottom into like four different conversations after i listened to that podcast episode it was great they were talking about power bottoms and uh-huh. <laughs> lindsey graham the most legendary power bottom yeah <laughs> fucking hilarious <laughs> Another guy, Chuck Hagel, uh, he went in 1999 and 2000, senator of Nebraska. Uh, he was also secretary of defense in 2013 to 2015. What? Uh, I've, I've heard of him a couple. I don't know. Not very much, though. He OK, here's the thing. Hagel, I don't know why, but it sounds like if one of the southern states tried to make their own spinoff of a bagel, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's their knockoff brand. But it's made out of like moonshine yeast or something. I don't know. Instead of like the cheese spread that most bagels have on it, it's just butter, cold (laughs) butter on it. Might not taste too bad, actually. Yeah, might not. So John Kerry, he went in 2012. Now, this was, I believe it was while he was Secretary of State. 
Uh, he was also a previous senator from, oh no, it was 2012. So it was before he was Secretary of State and Senator from Massachusetts. Yeah, he he looks like he his face is stuck in like that vinegar stroke look uh, constantly. But uh, yeah, what is he now? He's like the Secretary of Energy or something right now. I'm not exactly sure what he is right now. I know that he took over Secretary of State from Hillary Clinton. Okay, I think for Biden, he's something with like working on the environmental stuff. I think. Okay. I think. Probably working with Barry Sotiro to destroy it. (laughs) Some other people, kind of like lesser tier. uh, John Hickelooper, 2018, governor of Colorado from 2011 to 2019. He actually ran for president last uh last year on the democratic side that during the uh when there was a gaggle of all those democrats he was one of them okay i feel like that last name is made up but uh continue on <laughs> like his last name was actually much worse and yeah. he changed to hip and Luker. <laughs> rick perry uh he actually went in 2007 and of course everyone knows him uh dancing with the stars oh yeah is he the yeah. texas um yes he was the governor of texas okay and he ran for president he's the one who showed up drunk to one of his speeches allegedly gotcha all right i almost thought rick perry was the one that's on um not cnn maybe it is cnn uh one of the two he's he's always on that he's owning libs you know i don't know if that's him i that might be rick santorum Probably Rick Santorum. It's not Rick Perry. Rick Perry doesn't really own anyone intellectually. Not that I've ever seen. (laughs) Another person, uh, George Stephanopoulos, a pretty famous media person. What's that? Does he play for the Phoenix Suns? Yes, of course. George (laughs) Stephanopoulos, uh, legendary forward for the Phoenix Suns. It's Yeah. He played there when Charles Barkley was there. (laughs) Big ass Barkley. Yeah. Some other people who you might recognize, maybe uh, Charlie Rose, also big in media mm. uh, and uh, some some lesser known people, Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos also attended those meetings. <sighs> it turned real dark when Bezos showed up. Yeah, I just I, I was going to put that first. And I was like, you know what? I might as well just put that last. Just kind of throw it in there that Jeff Bezos has attended in the past. Shout out to uh Old Bernie Sanders always putting the cringiest quotes of from Jeff Bezos on his uh, social media feeds constantly. That's uh, pretty. It's kind of like Jesus, Jeff. You're just lying through your fucking teeth at this point. <laughs> I love to start looking at some of those. Yeah, I I don't really keep track of Bernie Sanders' uh, well, his Instagram. Well, he pushing hard because Alabama is like voting to unionize Amazon there or something. And oh yeah, I have I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, Bezos is coming out making up horseshit of why unions are so bad for <laughs> Amazon. And yeah, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Bezos showed up in a commercial in Alabama with Roll Tide. Fucking probably. What are the Alabama Crimson Tide jerseys on? <laughs> he kisses his first cousin. He kisses his first cousin. Be like, it's cool with me, guys. Roll Tide. <laughs> I love you guys. This is my cousin, Jesse. (laughs) We're getting hitched. (laughs) Now, there are some conspiracy theories that have been born from the secret nature of these meetings. The first one I'm going to mention is that these meetings are actually set up to decide who the next crop of powerful individuals on the world stage are going to be. This new crop of individuals 
are set up by the existing crop who have already graced the world stage. So they're just kind of going to say, hey, okay, here, let's say here's Bill Gates, 2019, 2020, you're going to be blamed for the COVID virus <laughs> can vaccine. Yep. And then we're going to have somebody else come in and save the day. Right. That's, okay. Yeah, basically. Right. I mean, the, the thing is, it's every single year, there's a bunch of new people who are brought in. And among those that group, like among that large group of people, the idea is that there is someone in that group who's going to be propelled forward, either in the near or distant future. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, I want to talk to whoever decided to select Kirk Cousins to be the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, (laughs) thus creating an entire pain uh, within the state of Minnesota. Yeah, that could actually be a punishment for Minnesota, though. So you never know. Perhaps one of the most important figures at those meetings are from Wisconsin. Mm, Maybe they're a cheesehead. Could be. That could explain Minnesota Vikings' luck in the whole football, you know, game that they supposedly play. True, true. Like I mentioned before, Bill Clinton, Margaret Thatcher, and Tony Blair all attended the Bilderberg meetings before they were able to reach the highest offices in their respective countries. Tony Blair, the former prime minister of the United Kingdom, attended the meeting in 1993, four years before he became prime minister. Bill Clinton, governor of Arkansas in 1991, was a relative unknown when he attended the meeting. However, a year later in 1992, he would go on to defeat many Democratic rivals in the primaries, rising from obscurity to clinch the most powerful position on earth. Mm, okay. All right. I mean, I could just see Bill like accidentally wandering in there drunk and he's like, what's going on, guys? <laughs> Are we here to cheer on the Razorbacks? I just know he loves his Razorbacks, so he loves Oh, them. yeah. Remember we watched I that mean, one documentary? the 40 minutes of hell or whatever that show was called. And like, he was all over that documentary. Oh yeah. The, that's a football documentary. No, and it's a basketball team. Oh, okay. Yeah. That like insane defense that they played and they called it like the hell defense or whatever. Okay. I'm might be thinking of a different documentary. Anyway, those two individuals and Margaret Thatcher attending this meeting before they became the leaders of their countries puts forward this idea that these meetings are a kingmaker of sorts. I mean, it's three coincidences. It's kind of, uh, it looks, you know, suspicious from the outside. Yeah, definitely. And they all happen kind of in short order. So it was Margaret Thatcher, then Bill Clinton, and Tony Blair a few years, you know, about a decade down the line. Was Barry ever here? Well, I'm going to go in that into that a little bit. Okay. Uh, he's right. never been on the official roster, but our friend Alex Jones has something to say about that. So. <laughs> okay. And that'll be coming up later <laughs> on. So don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> so another thing, uh, like very, very little known, but apparently happened during the 1970s. There was a big scandal that broke out. Now, this is the Lockheed bribery scandal. It's a series of bribes that were supposedly made by officials of the U.S. aerospace company Lockheed, uh, eventually Lockheed Martin. And this was from the late 1950s to the 1970s. Now, in the process of negotiating the sale of aircraft 
to many countries. Apparently, there was a bribery scandal that like rocked the uh, like the aerospace world. Now, these scandals touched several central politicians in the Western world, including in Western Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, and Japan. Now, really, I mean, the corruption was really big, and it was put forward by Frank Church in the U.S. Senate. So what were they exactly bribing them for? Contracts. So a company like Lockheed Martin is looking for contract. Back then it was Lockheed. They're looking for uh, contracts from these governments to basically sell planes to. Sell anything. So sell engines, sell hardware, software, all of that stuff. So Gotcha. Okay. Okay. You know what's funny about that? I was actually watching... I've been watching The Simpsons, right? And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was the episode where... The like inspectors coming through the power plant (laughs) and uh, Mr. Burns is like, oh, I'm just going to leave the room. Don't mind that huge. (laughs) Don't mind that huge pile of cash over there. I'll be back in a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. So um, with these contracts, basically, so say Lockheed is selling a jet aircraft, like a jet fighter. Say that. Yeah. Say they're selling a jet fighter. These countries buy 50 of them. So that's a direct sale of 50 jets going to uh, a country, you know, A. So basically, not only do you sell them the jets, you also sell them the contracts to repair those jets when they inevitably break down. When the engines need to be replaced, you send them a new engine. And then they send you the old engine and you fix that one up and then sell it eventually, you know. So it's this big, it's not only the sale of these jets, but it's future income that comes from the sale. Uh, Basically, if Lockheed beats out another aerospace giant, which I won't mention, then they get that money over the other one. So. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that like common practice in companies nowadays? Kind of like accepted. Well, yeah. So (laughs) that's the funny thing. They called it fraud back then, but uh, who knows what happens nowadays? It's one of those things where it's just like with the new ruling on Citizens United back 25 years ago, what would have been called fraud, bribery, all of this is now completely legal because of the Supreme Court's ruling on what's known as Citizens United and basically being able to put unlimited amounts of cash into politicians' pocket. So back in the past, that had been fraud. Now, totally legal. (laughs) So who knows? Super PACs. Isn't that what they call them? Super PACs. Yep. You can just basically, if you're a billionaire, you can just dump as much money into a super PAC and that super PAC can just unload it onto whoever, you know, whoever that money's going to. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, definitely. Back in the day, it used to be only like a private citizen could give a few thousand dollars. Now it's just unlimited amounts of cash, capital, influence (laughs) going to whoever, you know. (laughs) So basically what really made me want to do this on the Bilderbergs was actually an interview that I saw Alex Jones give to the BBC in 2013. Uh, I found it on YouTube, but this was on an episode of Sunday Politics. Hmm. Uh, This was when the Bilderberg meeting was going to be held in Wofford, England. And, you know, only the way Alex Jones can do, he actually fired out some choice conspiracy theories while on the show, as you can imagine. Hell yeah. The first one being that 
The Bilderberg meeting was where the idea for the creation of the European Union and the currency euro was put forth. He also claimed that this was a plot first hatched by the Nazis. Okay. Um, Okay. Could he be mistaken about this? I imagine he could be mistaken about this. Okay. It's actually a pretty big conspiracy theory that the European Union was first thought of by the Nazis. Really? Uh, it's not, yeah, it doesn't just go along with the Bilderberg uh, committee, like the Bilderberg meetings. But yeah, I, I have heard this in the past. I do think we've actually talked about it before. I mean, obviously, the European Union doesn't have concentration camps everywhere and all that. But but yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't know that much about the European Union, but it seems like it works pretty well. Yeah. So basically, when the Nazis supposedly came up with this plan for the European Union, it would be when the Nazis controlled all of the countries in Europe. And then they would basically make one state that was kind of like had its capital in Germany. So imagine like the European Union, but it was actually just Berlin, you know, just the Nazis in control of all of Europe. Gotcha. Okay. All right. The next one is that the Bilderberg meeting is actually just the largest lobbyist convention of the year. And that it's really a chance just for the power brokers to be influenced financially by large corporations, billionaires, and those interests. And the example that he gives is what I mentioned before with Lockheed Mm. and that scandal. That one's kind of believable. If I'm being honest with you. Definitely. Considering the people who come to this meeting and you can imagine the little, you know, uh, the little meetings that they set up, the little and especially how the rules for this go, which I'll mention in a little bit. It really does kind of lend that this could just be a really big place for lobbyists to meet power brokers, you know, internationally. Right. Uh, And I mean, technically, that's not illegal, right? No, actually, it's not. Yeah, because because of how the laws are set up, uh, you can't domestically bribe a politician in your own country. But who's to say that you can't just flood money? Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe some countries do have I shouldn't say it's not, you know, it's not legal everywhere. Some countries probably do have it to where this wouldn't be able to happen. But really, if it's happening at these this big committee, this big meeting, then You have to think that if this is allegedly happening, you know, allegedly, supposedly, then you'd have to think that they all know about it. Like all the big politicians and leaders would know about this. You just go there and grease some wheels. That's what we call it. Yep. Just glad hand, you know, (laughs) slip some 20s in and, uh, you know, fucking booze, hookers, prostitutes, all that shit. So Mm -hmm. who knows what goes on in those rooms? Now, during the broadcast of that interview, he also fired off some other conspiracies. Uh, He fired off one that it was decided at this Bilderberg meeting that the water was going to be poisoned. Uh, I'm kind of thinking that he meant fluoride. Fluoride, Mm. maybe. He kind of said some weird, he says things so fast. He kind of said like some sciencey kind of terms. It sounded like hydrocarbons, maybe. But yeah, he was talking about the poisoning of the water. He also, something that kind of is, you know, going on in today's world in Mm. conspiracy theory, cancer-causing agents were being added to vaccines. Okay. He implied that the 
those plans, this was back in 2013, by mm. the way, he implied that those plans were set into action at the Bilderberg meeting. He also claimed, and you asked about this before, that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton had attended the Bilderberg meeting five years earlier in 2008, when they were both candidates for president of the United States it, during the primaries. Gotcha. Okay. This is why I can ask about Barry, because... It seemed like Clinton's rise to presidency is not that far off from uh, Barry's, right? Because nobody really knew old uh, Barack Obama. And then all of a sudden he's just like exploded onto the scene. Yeah. So Barack Obama's big coming out party was the 2004 Democratic National Convention. He gave a really powerful speech at that convention and it propelled his national figure. I actually saw him speak in 2008. I believe it was 2008. It was before the Iowa caucuses when I was going to school. I really thought that Hillary Clinton just had it in the bag. Uh, I didn't think that anyone was really worth even thinking about. But I did hear that uh, this, you know, this guy who was probably going to bow out in a few months, Barack Obama, was also running. I went and saw him speak there. And after that, I knew he was going to win because just how well he was speaking. Yeah, he but. he is a good uh he's a fucking I don't know, he something about his his voice and just his demeanor just uh yeah. it, it's great. We make jokes about him a lot, but uh I actually really like him. Yeah, it was uh Obama was there, not Satiro. No, so it was No. It was <laughs> not the, the clone. time traveling reptilian. No, it, it was, was the Obama clone. Was it was the clone. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. It's uh yeah, he's just got one of those things. I was actually when I was looking through that list, I was hunting for his name, actually, because that would really put it um, into it if he actually showed up to one of those meetings in 2007 and 2008. But he's not on any of those lists. But according to Alex Jones, he did attend with Hillary Clinton in 2008. Mm, so that's allegedly. Okay. Well, that's Alex Jones. You can't really trust <laughs> what she said. Yeah, <laughs> there are with Alex Jones. So I used to watch a lot of Alex Jones uh, before a lot of the school shooting stuff when he jumped on that bandwagon. But with a lot of the Alex Jones stuff, he he talks a lot of nonsense, but he has just little little nuggets of truth kind of drilled in there. And then you start thinking like, well, if that's true, then all of this crap must be true too. But really, you're just constantly looking for nuggets of truth in a crap fucking you, you know, buffet. You know what? That actually... Brings up a good point, um, and this is just something I, I guess I've kind of noticed that because of his thing, let's say him and Marjorie Green Taylor's thing about active shooters or school shooters and stuff, mm. like what the two shootings that just happened, like within the last few weeks, everyone immediately goes to the conspiracies that those two used to spout. So he yep. he has had that resonating effect on that sect of the United States, that population, yeah. because that's every time there's any sort of shooting at all, they immediately go to that. Well, it wasn't just him who was like spouting out those conspiracy theories of the, like the crisis actor and, you know, the kind of not really a Manchurian candidate would um kind of like, it was just a setup. Mm, uh, it was false a, flag. a false flag, mm -hmm. false flag. Yep. That's the word I was looking for. False flag. He wasn't really the one who started it, and he wasn't the only one spouting it, but he was definitely the loudest voice in the room when it well, came to it. But 
what I'm saying is like just think about the the echo chamber that that has created and I have a feeling five, ten years from now, the shit with Donald Trump's gonna probably do the same thing. Yeah, I mean I could see that it coming back around. Well, I mean just kind people of. immediate instead of like an irrational thought, they're immediately gonna jump to, oh, it's gotta be because of that. You know, whatever yeah. excuse there is. Oh, with like the Muslim ban or with yeah. the the caravans of illegal immigrants and yeah. all of that stuff he was talking about. Okay, I get you now. What yeah. I'm what I'm saying is because of the shit like Alex Jones said about the crisis actors and the false flag, like people aren't like, oh, this is just a psychopath shooting up the place. It's always immediately a false flag. And I think he he's definitely at fault for convincing a huge sect of his fan base that that's the only logical reason for a shooting. Yeah. You also got to realize too, that they have a vested interest in those shootings, not actually happening. The people who are really big into guns. Yeah. Cause they're worried with every single time this happens, they're worried about their guns being taken away. Right. So, right. Yeah. It's uh. but I'm just, I'm just saying that's kind of uh, my theory about Alex Jones. Okay. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of one of those things where if you watched him, what was it, like six or seven years ago, and you just kind of, you were able to watch it, enjoy it, kind of make fun of it at times, kind of got you to think at times. Now it's it, you can't even watch it without <laughs> thinking about that stuff. So it <laughs> right. kind of tainted the whole process, the whole situation. Right, right. So for the Bilderberg group or the Bilderberg committee, the given reason for the formation of that group was the fear of the rise of communism after World War II and the need for the West to bring its most influential people together to discuss the pressing topics of the day. And this was mostly to open lines of communication across the Atlantic. The reason really for all the secrecy given is that the group's meetings are held under Chatham House rule. And this would really allow the participants to use any information they gained during the meeting for their own benefit, for the benefit of their party, whatnot, but they would not be able to disclose the names of the speakers or any other participants at the meeting. Now, this allows the participants to speak openly and honestly without fear from public reprisal. Okay, well, I can see why, you know, this would obviously <laughs> immediately raise red flags for the, like, well, why are you hiding? You know what I'm saying? Like, anything yes. with a cloud of secrecy behind it immediately is like a birthing place for conspiracy and like wild radical thought. Yeah. This, this whole Chatham house rule thing mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why the conspiracies have come up around it. Uh, I mean, I can also see there's a, a hatred of like the elite or elitism. Mm. So people like normal people really hate the elites because they always feel like the elites are looking down at them. They actually think that these elites are running the world against them, like mm -hmm. against their will. Mm -hmm. So I believe that's another real reason why all these conspiracy theories have cropped up. But this Chatham House rule and the fact that you're not allowed to mention who said what. I mean, you are allowed to kind of talk about the information, but not anything about that meeting, who said anything. And that really kind of gets at people. Yeah. Uh, the perceived yeah. secrecy. Yeah. So. Right. Right. Now talking kind of really just ending on uh, the whole Bilderberg committee. 
I'm going to talk about a couple of other ones that I was going to talk a lot more about, but they're really just so close to the Bilderbergs that I'm just going to mention them. The first is the Trilateral Committee. Now, the Trilateral Committee was first set up in 1973 by American banker David Rockefeller. This hosts members from three regions of the world, uh, really the active countries coming from Europe, North America, and Asia. It was just Japan to start out with in Asia, but there's been many other countries in Asia who have been added, including Australia, South Korea, and recently China and India. Mm, I was going to say, you'd, you'd assume China's in there. Yeah, China's in there now. Yeah. So this yearly meeting was enacted to res- in response to countries in these regions becoming more interdependent on each other. Uh, globalism, basically. Mm-hmm. Members of this group are selected from the world of politics, banking, commerce, media, academia, and recently from trade unions. And that's kind of just like the Bilderbergs. Members are often in positions of influence and power in their home governments. And it's actually said that the topics that come up in these meetings will sometimes push the agendas of the G7 and G8 meetings. Okay, what the hell is a G7 and G8? So G7 and G8, um, that's like when a powerful group of seven countries or eight countries come together to kind of discuss like global initiatives, uh, what's happening in the world, commerce, trade, all of that stuff. Uh, They're pretty big. I'm kind of surprised you haven't heard of them. Uh, I've heard the term, but I I guess clarification kind of clears it up. It's definitely not about the delectable Pontiac automobiles. No, not like my G6. <laughs> Nothing like that. No. It took so, six countries to build that bad boy, Phil. Oh, exactly. <laughs> not not United States, but yeah, definitely. So sometimes they're called like the Gang of Seven or the Gang of mm. Eight. Um, just kind of like very influential countries that come together. Their leaders show up. They all glad hand, shake hands, you know, take gotcha. pictures together. It's kind of that big deal. Gotcha. Okay. So the second one that I'm going to mention which is headquartered in New York City, is the Council on Foreign Relations. Now, this is a global think tank that was started in 1921. It's open to only members from the United States. This means that it's only really made up of Americans. Now, this is so that these members can talk through the United States' position on topics regarding foreign relations. So you can imagine like China, North Korea, Mm-hmm. They're Iran. They're all really big on the agenda for these meetings. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So both of these groups, like I mentioned before, are just like the Bilderberg meetings. They carry a lot of water in the conspiracy community. Depending on what corner of the internet you venture into, you will often find that these groups share a lot of the blame for the same conspiracy theories. Yeah. I mean... You can see why. I mean, the writing's on the wall. It's a secret meeting, all of these, all three of them, the secret meeting between, you know, I guess, rich, powerful, elite people and uh, who have a lot of weight and can do either a lot of good things or a lot of bad things, depending on how they're feeling that day. So, And I would assume even I will be the first to say that I, uh, I think... I would assume they're up to no good <laughs> more than often yeah. than I would think they're doing something positive for the world. Definitely. I mean, just you hearing about all of these elite people coming together, 
and discussing things, you immediately think, oh, they're sabotaging, you know, the independent governance and they're going for the, you know, the global agenda, the one world government, uh, getting rid of our money system, getting rid of American exceptionalism, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. I will say this, the Bilderberg meeting, that one is different because it has different people every year. The thing with the other two groups, the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Committee, is they have like membership. They actually have people coming there year after year. So that's like Mm. the kind of the difference. Mm. The Bilderberg meetings do have some, a couple of people showing up very often, but it's not always the same people. So, Well, the thing that I think you've brought to light, especially about the Bilderberg group is, yeah, there's a lot of fucking dirtbags that have went there that you listed, but there's also a lot of like really highly reputable, good people who are there. So I don't know if they're just inviting them <laughs> to make it not look as bad or if there's actually more than just shady shit going on there. It would be funny if you were some, you know, hard hitting investigative journalist and you were being brought to this Bilderberg meeting and you thought you were going to make a difference. But then when you got to the meeting, they didn't even let you out of the lobby. It was <laughs> just the big wigs who went upstairs to the cigar rooms. Yeah. And you were left down there talking to some asshole from fucking Finland, you know, yeah. or wherever, Belgium, talking <sighs> about God knows what. Yeah, it's I I don't know. I don't know what's going in going on in any of these meetings obviously. Phil and I are you're welcome to invite us. Um we we will attend. Uh we are in the media and I think <laughs> we could That's ha- an expensive plane ticket. I don't know hey, about that. Well, what they don't pay for it? No, they don't pay for it. They expect <laughs> you to pay for it. <laughs> well, if it meant getting in there and finding out what's going on, maybe we'd have to fill. Definitely. They probably send like a flock of cockney children to your door to invite you. <laughs> or it's just like Harry. I thought you were going to say it's like Harry Potter. They send an owl with an invitation <laughs> that drops <laughs> through your post. <laughs> they send you a little vial of adrenochrome and in the bottoms their golden invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh, that would be great if you could only get an invite if you had the special label on the back of your adrenochrome vials label. <laughs> Yeah, like like the fucking lazy grandpa in uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you like? I We kind of talked about it before. Do you do you give any weight to the conspiracies behind these secretive meetings? Do you think that they're just wealthy, elite people kind of getting together and, you know, hanging out, talking about the issues? What do you think? Like, what do you think they are? If I had to take a wild guess, I would say it's just simply a bunch of elites getting together and like talking, I would assume talking about things they think they can control, but they might not be able to. Um, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say there's necessarily anything like controlling the whole world, but I will say I guarantee there's a lot of talk about how to make themselves richer. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Like self-propelling them, mm-hmm. you know, just the or their companies or their countries. Yeah. yeah their own interests. Yeah. Like building upon their own interests mutually. Um, I was actually a little surprised when I did this research. Unlike Bohemian Grove, which I'm doing research for my next episode, uh, kind of in the same light. I assumed that I would find some satanic stuff, some, 
you know, something along those lines, some kind of ceremony or some kind of theatrics just along that. I didn't really find anything like that. There's really no, really no like thought that there's a conspiracy of like bloodletting or, you know, virgin killing or anything like that. I was a little surprised. I figured I'd find some of that stuff in the conspiracy, but really didn't find it. It's yeah. just kind of elite people meeting for actual, you know, pushing stuff forward. So yeah. even in the conspiracies, it's just just that. So it's kind yeah. of weird. Yeah, I don't I I don't know. I, it, it's hard to say if it's actually evil or not. I think it's just because there's so much secrecy around it. It's kind of easy to just assume the worst. And I'm sure there is a lot of bad shit being discussed there as far as uh, how they can make more money by stomping on other people. Um, but, yes. uh, but yeah, I don't think they're like figuring out how to create the NWO or some shit. Yeah. They're bringing Hogan Hall and Nash together to create the NWO. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> On Nitro. Oh it's all yeah. Coming together you, know, now. you know, it's funny. It was actually like when, when I, when I put together between the bumbles, whatever, I just pick like a random song I find in YouTube and, I just so happened to stumble upon apparently a rare cut of the NWO theme song. And it's just oh, like nice. the, the dogs barking or the wolves barking or whatever the hell it is. Do you remember that? Is it the wolves howling? Yeah. The wolf pack one? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, oh, geez, I haven't heard this shit in forever. <laughs> yeah. So those, um, those are great times in television. So do you have any other feelings on this subject you would like to get out, Phil? No, not really. I mean, we're going to be talking about Bohemian Grove uh, in the next few weeks. So we'll talk plenty about owl worship and old rich men fucking each other and each other's wives and whatnot. Mm. But I mean, this is just kind of it seems pretty straight laced, you know, just some just some important people meeting up, you know, that kind of deal. I would say that there's any of these conspiracies except for the Lockheed one. I would imagine there is probably a little more weight to that one than the fact or than the alleged conspiracy that they're trying to plan the one world government. So, I mean, really the Neil deGrasse Tyson, I would give it maybe 15%. Okay. Not bad. I mean, even the Lockheed scandal, what yep. is the entire purpose of that scandal? It's to make themselves richer, right? <laughs> like yeah. literally oh, <laughs> contract contracts yeah. like that will fill everyone's pockets. Yeah. Who are who are involved with it. So like, yeah, definitely. Obviously that's evil, but that's not like trying to make a one world government with conspiracy and reptilians and everything. It's just people trying to get even richer than they already are. It's you know, yeah. whatever. It's like not even surprising anymore. But uh all right. It's, oh go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it's unethical, but it would have happened without that meeting. If right. it did actually happen at one of these meetings. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, Phil, if anyone wants to give us their opinion on the Bilderberg Group, or if Bilderberg wants to email us our invitation, where can they do that? Well, they can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. You know, haven't really gotten quite as many emails in the past week as we had been getting, but we are always thankful for every email that we get. We also love to hear from our fans on Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on ig uh that's where we get most of our uh, fan interaction from always great to hear everyone we love all the likes we love all the shares and everything you guys do for us 
Uh, Cody, if they want to help us out on Patreon and maybe get us to one of those Bilderberg meetings <laughs> for the plane ticket, what can they do? Uh, they can log on to our Patreon at patreon.com slash deception. We have a couple tiers there. Uh, you can get some stickers. You can listen to, I believe it's 10 or 11 off-the-record episodes. It's just kind of a video banter show that Phil and I do. We'll be... Now that we're kind of getting back into action, we'll be releasing another one very soon. I'm still kind of getting the new studio in order. Uh, also, I guess if you can't find it on Patreon's website itself, you can go to our website, subliminaldeception.com, and there's a direct link that makes it nice and easy. Joining at any tier helps us a lot, and we really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to do something else nice for us, log on to iTunes, leave the show five-star review. Doesn't really matter what you say. You could say, um, I've been to Bilderberg. I don't really care. Just as long as it's five stars, preferably <laughs> written. Uh, if you're a Spotify user, all you got to do is hit that follow button, and it's allegedly like a review. So thank you, everybody who's taking the time to do that. Thank you to everybody who's joined our Patreon. We're excited to get back and get uh, get weird again. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>